and welcome to The Breakfast Show. You are listening right across Australia on 87.6, 87.8 or 88 and on the internet. Filling in for Lawson and Danuta, you have myself, Matthew, and my incredible co-host, Joseph, and a warm welcome to our producer, Shell. Joseph, a hearty welcome to you, my friend. How are you today and what are you grateful for? Thank you, Matthew. It's... Thank you, Matthew. It's great to be here today and with all of our listeners. Well, thanks for asking what I'm, am I grateful for, because you know what? I am grateful for the difficult times that we, we pass in life, because through them, God teaches us so many things. We come closer to him. Um, he, he He's just amazing. Mm, mm. And uh, this is how we grow as well. And this is how we get closer to him. So I'm actually quite grateful for... Growing through, having gone through my personal life trials and challenges, because I'm only a better person because of that. Absolutely. So you can totally agree that that process is a great refining process that this is making you um, come out with more strengths and, and more qualities of character to serve God. Absolutely. Awesome. I like it. I like it. So I'm just glad to be here. You know, friends, we, you know, happy that you're listening to us today and faithfully as well. And I'm just going to ask for a bit of grace. It's Matthew's first time behind the driving wheel. So I'll do my best. I've got my faithful, uh, uh producer here, Shell, looking after me as well. And Joseph, you know, we're incredibly blessed to have you. So, um, yep. Yeah. We're going to have a time of looking at different uh, interviews with Jennifer Skews. She's going to be on today. As well, we're going to look at some good news about how we can recycle plastics to benefit our society, especially in a time of you know, sustainability. And also, we've got Joseph later on to give us some news about what's happening in Venezuela, as well as ChatGPT. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Our today's quiz is the following, so if you're there, pay attention. At the place of Mara, how did God instruct Moses to miraculously make the bitter water become sweet water and fit to drink? So option A, to toss a piece of wood into the water. Option B, to lift up his staff and command clean water. In option C, to lift his staff and pray to God. So in Exodus chapter 15, verse 25, there is an episode where the Israelites found this source of water, but it was bitter water. They couldn't drink it. So God instructed Moses to do something about it. What was that something? So A, if you think that it was to toss a piece of wood into the water, then you just can text uh, A. I'll give you the number in a second. Or if you think that he had to lift his staff and command clean water, that's option B. Or to lift his staff, but instead of commanding clean water, just to pray to God, then you write us option C. Okay, so the number is 0491064669. You can send your SMS there. And if you um, answered that uh, the quiz correctly, you will be in for the draw that on Friday we will do. And if you are one of the lucky winners, you're going to get an amazing set of a morning and an evening devotional set. That is the prize, Matthew. Cool. So I'll read the quiz the third time, just to make sure that all of our listeners are getting it. So yes, please. at the place called Mara, in the Israelites' wanderings in the desert... How did God instruct Moses to miraculously make 
the bitter water become sweet water and fit to drink. So option A, to toss a piece of wood into the water. Option B, to lift up his staff and command clean water. Or option C, to lift his staff and pray to God. Fantastic. So friends, as uh, Brother Joseph just shared, you've got a one in three chance of actually winning that prize. So it's, I think it's 33.3% actually. So pretty cool, pretty cool. Now, Joseph, I've got something good of the good news to share with you today and with our listeners as well. I'm looking forward to hear. Absolutely. First of all, I thought I'd share something that's uh, like an object lesson. I watched this documentary and in this documentary, it was about um, creatures that prove the existence of God. And one of, one of the uh, creatures I was looking at was the butterfly. And that butterfly, what they were showing is how it ent- enters that metamorphosis stage. You, do you know that, um, that process, Brother Joseph, you know, when, when the, um, the caterpillar goes into the cocoon and it does that metamorphosis side? Yes. Um, and then it comes out, as we know, as that beautiful butterfly. What I didn't realise, because that particular uh, Presentation. It actually went scientifically deep into what happens to the body of the actual caterpillar. You know, I didn't realize that every cell of that caterpillar, once it goes into the cocoon, and you're going to find this amazing, listeners, that it actually gets destroyed. It actually, on a cellular basis, every cell gets reprocessed and becomes different parts of a butterfly. But it has to go through destruction first, like cellular destruction. Wow. I, oh, I was fascinated. And then it's able to produce... You know, if, if once upon, I'll give you an example. If once upon a time, the, the, uh, say, um, what's it, the nose of the caterpillar at the head was in its place as a caterpillar. Later on, it becomes like, say, uh, one of, part of the wings. It's separated into two wings. It, it gets reprocessed. Repurposed. Repurposed. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And I'm just so amazed that it goes through that process. And what I took from that is like, God wants us to give us our heart, you know, give him our heart. And he wants to repurpose it. He wants that death to self, that destruction, so he can make something out of it. Now, I'm using that as a segue to what I'm sharing today about the good news. And that is, fishing nets and carpets can molecularly be recycled, or like you said, Brother Joseph, so cool, repurposed, thanks to a genius chemist and brand new catalyst. So does anyone here know what a catalyst is, by any chance, like in science? I have an idea. Yeah, yeah, by all means. Yeah, so a catalyst is a um, chemical agent or a substance that actually helps a certain chemical process to go faster than it would normally do. Absolutely. You hit on the nail. Bang on the nail there, there Joseph. So, just want to say a public thanks to my five grade, fifth grade um, chemistry teacher in Brazil <laughs> for listening to us now. Thank you. I, you know, it served me. Uh, for a good purpose. It has, it has, it has. So me and my son, you know, we're looking at this story and we're trying to think, what's a catalyst? And you, you hit on the nail perfectly, perfectly, Joseph. So this catalyst, what it does is, in this age of sustainability and, you know, climate change, and we're, we're told to now look after the environment. So what they've done is, instead of throwing away, um, you know, these kind of side effects of fishing nets and also carpets, which contain plastics in them, they're able to come out with this catalyst that's able to get rid of toxicity in that process of making these nets and also the carpets, and they can now repurpose it. So what will they be turning to? They're turning to this substance called, or yeah, this synthetic material, it's called nylon 6, nylon 6, and they might go, well, what's this nylon 6? So nylon 6 is ended up as a spindle. It's like plastics, and when they put into these kind of um, yarns, you could say, of this particular 
plastic. It then can be used to make more fishing nets and more carpets. So that's the beauty of that particular process because of the catalyst. Now, I find it so cool that they're able to you know, protect the environment, repurpose uh, these particular um, uh, synthetic substances. Now, I've got a, a little quote here I'd like to read. It says here from the Good News Network, plastic is a part of our society. We use so much of it, um, it says his senior uh, author and professor, Tom and Marks. He said, but the problem is this. What do we do when we're finished with it? Ideally, we wouldn't burn it out or put it into landfills. We recycle it. Now, did you know that up to one million pounds, which is about 453,000 kilos of fishing gear is abandoned in the ocean each year? Wow, that's a lot. It's, it's, it's phenomenal. No wonder we have you know, a lot of um, individual people wanting to clean up our, beach, our beaches, our rivers, and what have you. It's because of this amount of um, this waste going in. And that's not pointing at other litter like cans, um, you know, plastic cups, uh, chip packets, the whole list. Now, Nylon 6 is making up at least, at least 44% of this notorious Great Pacific garbage patch. That's a significant amount. It's not the majority, but 44 of the other 66% is huge. So we're grateful for this gentleman that's able to come up with this ingenious idea to re- re- you know, repurpose uh, this particular substance and make it into nylon six so they could use it again. Now, I've got a nice verse that I want us to contemplate on today, and I might, might like to get your thoughts on this uh, too, Brother Joseph. And the verse I've got is First Corinthians chapter 15, verses 51 to 58. It says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We're not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will raise, be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For this perishable must put on the imperishable, and this mortal must put on immortality. But when this perishable comes about, the saying that is written is this, Death is swallowed up in victory. O oh, death, where is your victory? O oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory for our Lord Jesus Christ. So, you have any thoughts, uh, Robert Joseph? On that is amazing. I love when people find out how to really manipulate and recycle and do something incredible with, you know, waste Absolutely. and transform it into something useful again. You know, it reminds me a little bit of these um, Italian scientists who, by accident, discovered this um, this caterpillar, this bug, that uh, was able to eat plastic, and on the other side, on the other end. It would release some actually very um, um, uh, uh, organic re- uh, materials. You can even eat it. Maybe you can do that as a new good news story for another time. But that's just reminds me of and you know how God, even God in the creation, even He knew that we would create plastic. We, that He knew that it would be a problem. Yet He's also able to give us all the tools that we need to solve that problem that we're in wow. and to make it something transform it into something better. Wow. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively Before different. Before I, you know, introduce Joseph to do that, just want to give a shout out to who's here today. So I'm Matthew, and I'm replacing Lawson and Danuta, who are getting it done in their various fields of specialty. So we're here with also my awesome co-host. I'm so grateful for you here today, Joseph. Joseph, can you take us away with the second quiz question? Of course, Matthew. So we have our second quiz question: Is what happened? To the manna when the people disobeyed by taking and keeping extra bread for the next day and beyond. That's mm. in Exodus chapter 16, verse 20. So option A, it would spoil. 
Option B, it would get full of maggots. Yep. Or option C, it would disappear. So we remember the people of Israel were in the desert. They were complaining. They were afraid. Is there going to be any food for us? And God miraculously delivers this bread from heaven called manna that looked like uh, coriander seeds. And it was white and it was nicely nice and sweet. And you can bake cakes with it. Yeah. But then... You know, I've, got God, bit, I've got a bit of a joke for that. Do you? Yeah, Which when one? they look at the food, they're going, what manner of food was this? Oh, there you go. That's a good dad joke. You Sorry. know, <laughs> another one from my repertoire, Matthew, I appreciate because I, I collect a whole bunch of them. I'm a specialist in them. And I, this one is a new for me. Yeah. So what would happen? So they were supposed to collect it on that day and eat on that day because something would happen if they kept for longer than one day. And what was that, dear listener? A, would it just spoil, start stinking and whatnot? Yeah. Option B, it would get full of maggots. Or option C, it would disappear. Now, if you know the answer, please text it. Text the answer for us at 491 Nine and you will be in to a draw on Friday of an amazing devotional set for you to do with your family or by yourself. A morning and evening devotional set. That's the prize that you're going to be um, getting. If you can rightly respond to the following question, what happened to the manna when the people disobeyed by taking and keeping extra for the next day and beyond. You can look into your Bible. It's Exodus chapter 16 and verse 20. And would it, A, would it spoil? B, it would get full of maggots. Or C, it would disappear. The question is with you all now, and I'm looking forward to receive your answers. Fantastic. Thank you, Joseph. So, friends, once again, call into that number of 0491-064-669. That's 0491-064-669 with your answers. And you've got, once again, a one in three chance to win that devotion, that awesome evening, oh, morning and evening devotion. And now, Brother Joseph, I believe you have a story, uh, maybe two, one about ChatGPT, I believe, and the crisis happening in Venezuela. Is that right? Take it away, my good friend. All right. So I would like to share the story about Venezuela because the, our world is in turmoil, Matthew. Yes. I mean, worse and worse every day, isn't worse it? Worse and worse every day. We first had a conflict in Ukraine, now in Israel. And now even South America, my, my continent of origin, hey. is looming into a potential invasion war. That sounds like it's of biblical apocalyptic proportions. It is. And look, Jesus said that there would be wars and rumors of wars. But he also said, look, don't be afraid. This is not the end yet. This is our symptoms to the end. So it's a, a reminder that our world is convulsing without Jesus in it. So what happens here, and I'm reporting here from The Guardian, and basically, and there's an, in a number of news outlets, and it says here that Maduro votes to claim Guyana's territory backfires as Venezuelans stay home. Now, I do not know if uh, you're very familiar with the South American geography, but at the very top of South America, there are, there are three countries, one of them being Guyana, Oh, wow. So Guyana was originally colonized by the British. They are actually the only country, Matthew, 
in South America where English is their official language. I never knew that. So you can go there, visit their amazing waterfalls. They're, they're known to be a country of waterfalls. And um, you would actually, you know, go along very well with everyone, Matthew. Not only because you're a very sympathetic person, but because you also speak their language. Oh. So what happened was they have a disputed territory. About 75% of the territory is disputed, and that dispute goes a long way back. Actually, in 1899 is where the current borders that we have today were established by the International Court of Justice. Mm. And that came after a request by Venezuela that, you know, against the, the United Kingdom, against the British Empire, that those borders will be disputed. Now... The Venezuelan says, we want to be represented by the Americans, and the Americans represented them, and in the end, the Venezuelans lost their claim against that region. It's called the Essequibo region. It is about 75%, and it's very, very rich in all kinds of mineral resources, gold, and offshore oil. So it's well. so the resources that makes this place of disp disputation and also of envy and desire. That's yeah. right. And Venezuela's economy is in no good shape. Therefore, having a fresh new source of oil would actually be a great boost to the economy there. So um, Nicolas Maduro, the leader of um, uh, Venezuela, uh, did a referendum in his own country asking his own people if they should annex the Essequibo region in Guyana. Which means make it a part of their country. Make it a part of their country. Asked, they asked five questions among one of them. is like, you know, should we make it a part of our country? Should we give um, uh, Guyanians um, Venezuelan citizenship and passports? And, uh, and other questions. And he appeared in the media hailing the success of that referendum, Matthew. But you know what? He said that 10 million people voted. There's 20 million um, people that are eligible to be voters in Venezuela. He says 10 million people voted, and it was 95% success. 95% of people would have said yes. However, now it's coming to light, according to this um, news article here by The Guardian, that um, these numbers might be grossly inflated. Oh, wow. So, deliberately. Yes, deliberately inflated. So there, there is evidence that they, t instead of counting the actual number of voters, they just tallied the number of votes. There was five votes. So instead of being 10 million, we're, we're looking more into 2 million votes. So there's less than 10% of the voting capacity, of the voting population of, um, of um, uh, Venezuela. So, so correct me if I'm wrong, friend, um, Joseph, it sounds like there's corruption going on. Look, it does look like that, Matthew. And the thing is, Venezuela compared to Guyana is a v military superpower. Yeah. Not that Venezuela is, is it's, it's that strong, but the thing is, Guyana doesn't really have many military support, but they are trying to get, and they're negotiating with countries such as Brazil and the United States and Canada military partnerships to help to protect them in case of an, a land invasion. But you know what? That reminds me a little bit of the Bible in that we are too in a spiritual warfare where we actually have an enemy who is laying claim on our soul, Matthew. Yes. Satan wants to possess everything, all the territories of our heart. And some of us, we are unaware of it. And others are aware, and the only way that we can actually prevent that from happening is from partnering up with a stronger 
spiritual power, in that case, Jesus Christ. And he does not leave us alone. Actually, if you read in the book of Ephesians in chapter 6, I'll read it from you. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13, it says here, Paul writing to the church in Ephesus, Therefore, take up the full armor of God, so that you will be able to resist in the evil day, and having done everything to stand firm. And then continue, stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Wow, Joseph, that is so, so, so powerful. Wow. Um, I'm just blown away by what you just shared. You made a great parallel between the enemy in Venezuela, uh, you know, trying to take the resources, and to the enemy Satan trying to take the resources of our heart, which is the word of God and God's presence as well. That's pretty incredible. Am I am I on the money? Is that correct? That is very correct. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. The third question is: Which of the following is not a characteristic of the bread from heaven? Known as Exodus chapter 16, verse 31. A. It was like coriander seed. B. It was white seed. It tasted like unleavened bread. Or D. It tasted like wafers made with honey. So, because this is a question of what, which one of these characteristics is not a characteristic of. Okay? So, which one of these is not? Was it like coriander seed? If you think that the, the, it was not like that, then you can type in answer A. B, it was white. So if you don't think it was white at all, any other color, pink, blue, black, <laughs> then you can text us B. Option C, it tasted like unleavened bread. If you don't think it tasted like unleavened bread, then you text us. And finally, if you do not think that it tasted like actually wafers made with honey, then you can text us option D. Where are you going to text this? Well, you may text text it to our phone number 0491-06469. And that's 0491-064-66. And if you do, you will be in for a draw on Friday for a morning and evening devotional set. Two books, one for the morning, one for the evening. I'll read it this the third time that you get it because I want you to tell me which of the following is not, repeat, it is not the characteristic of the bread from heaven as manna, according to Exodus chapter 16, verse 31, a it was like coriander seed. B, it was white. C, it tasted like unleavened D, wafers made with honey. So if you know the, if you know what it did not taste like or look like or appeared like, then you tell us the right answer to 0491-06669. And we encourage you for your. Now, next, friends, uh, Joseph, you have someone to introduce. We now have our segment with no more than Jennifer's cues 
a clinical psychologist, very popular here in the show among our listeners. And we're going to talk today about emotional control. Hello, Jennifer. Are you on the line? Hey, welcome, Jennifer. We're just having some technical issues here. And while we wait, you know, Matthew, my question is, do we just have to sit passive to the emotions that come to us? Something happens in our lives, bad or good, we have an emotion, period. Or do we have any agency on that? Can we do something about it? Yeah, I've, I've kind of realized that I'm glad for that. I'm happy they asked that question. Um, I answer it like this. Why did God put the heart where the heart is and where the brain with the, in the head? So the heart's down in the chest and the, the brain's in the head. And I, I come from, I have one reason, and that is, can you imagine putting the heart where the head is and the heart's a pump, you know, it's a, it's a beat, and that's between your ears? Well, and if you had the brain down below, I think it'll swap um, the way God designed us, where he designed us to have the brain to be in control of our feelings. And you That's asking, a good explanation. Oh, oh we have oh, I'm Jennifer. Here. <laughs> Welcome, Jennifer. It's great to have you with us. That's right. Sometimes there's technical glitches, <laughs> but I'm here. Take it away, Jennifer. <laughs> so you, uh, we, we were just talking, Matthew and I, we were just wondering, okay. do we need to mm-hmm. see passive when uh, emotions overcome us, or is there anything we can do to, to try and, and, and change it and control it and, and, and move from yeah. a place of, I don't know, fear, anger, or whatever, into, into bliss, yeah. into peace? What, what, do you, what can you teach us? Well, there's a lot that you can do because we've spent quite a few weeks looking at uh, a proportion of emotions. A reason and conscience going to help us to keep our emotions in control. Because once we lose sight of our reasoning, and that is our capacity to recognize, to process, to deal with things, emotions are going to take over. And, and then the passion kicks in and we forget about reason and conscience, what's right and what's wrong. And we usually open our mouth and then we express the way we're feeling which can be very hurtful to others and then we don't like ourselves for what we've said so it's uh, it's a very spontaneous thing when we're allowing our emotions to take control I call them fickle feelings so uh, and unfortunately we've all got them and we are to keep them in check so what can you do well first of all all you've got to realize you're going or you're being reacting emotionally um, and some people don't. They think, well, it's all right to say you make me angry or I'm upset. Um, but the way you say it's important, so that's another whole thing. But first of all, you have to stop and think when you recognize that emotion. And, and it's hard sometimes to suppress it. So I don't know what you do when you are feeling or reacting to something, whether you say something or whether you sit with it. And it's not always easy, but sometimes just taking a deep breath and recognizing, how am I really feeling? I'm feeling angry with what that person said. Um, And sometimes the anger is so great, it's hard to contain, or the reaction is so great. But if you can just do some breathing and sit with it, and I think spending time, don't just wait for those moments, being aware of your emotional content and how it's directing you during the day at different times. Um, because sometimes we're not in touch with our emotions. We don't know how we're really feeling. So recognizing that's important. So do you find you both recognize emotions easily? No, absolutely not. I mean, especially in the circumstances where there's heat involved. So say there's another kind of um, frictionous uh, debate and you're with someone yes. that you love, but they have yes. strong opinions as well. And, That's it. Um, 
And I, I, in hindsight, I guess it would have been beneficial to take a step back, take a deep breather. But then yes. uh, the good old spirit of self-justification and exaltation and I'm right and I know everything. Except That's it. And they deserve it. <laughs> That's it. We look at them and start blaming or we go into that negative cycle. Absolutely. So it's not always easy to stop that. But fortunately, we do have a way out. If we have done the wrong thing, there is forgiveness. We can apologize. We can change it. So, But if we can stop and change it and not act, it initially so that is the goal and that is you've got to stop and think because your thoughts what you believe um, if you believe the person say did something deliberately to upset you mm. um, and you don't check it out then you keep believing that then you're going to think that way and then that leads to that emotional what we call emotional reasoning yes so ha- how we think determines how we're going to feel Wow, wow. Joseph, have you had any um, experiences in this area, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, look, Jennifer, I just wish I could have your instructions when I was a teenager. <laughs> me too. <laughs> I, have been, I have been learning this, and, I am, and I'm afraid that I have been learning the hard way, and I think I've made yes. some progress in that area. But one thing that I found it helpful is to, when I'm feeling something, you know, and when, you, when you have that sort of a burning mm-hmm. in your heart that wants to mm-hmm. spurt something out, I, I identify that, and I, and I know that I'm at a very risk um, area, risky area here, risky territory yeah. here. That I will, there's yeah. a very high chance that I will say something that I will deeply regret, that I will hurt others, that will not really help me at all. So one of the yeah. things that I learned to do is, so sometimes I, I just kind of keep quiet if I can, but sometimes yeah. I would actually just, uh, name the emotion that I'm having and saying, look, yeah. I'm feeling quite triggered yeah. right now. Yeah. So I, I, um, I will wait until I'm ready to give you a response to that. So I'll let yes. them know that how I'm feeling. That's why I'm just like yes. all of a sudden stopped here. And I found that this yes. has been very helpful. And, and just by naming the emotion that I'm having, I'm feeling, you know, look, I'm feeling quite injustice right now or, or yeah. angry. Yes. Just by naming yes. it, I felt yes. that it kind of is starting to lose a little bit of its hold and its power yes. on me. Is that yeah. something that yeah. really happens? Oh, definitely. That's a positive approach and not blaming the person, own the, own the emotion and, it's okay to say I'm feeling angry about what you did or what you said, not I'm angry at you, mm, you know, or I'm angry a, with you because mm. you, you, you're angry with what they did. Mm. You're upset or hurt with what they said or did. And it's okay to say that because you're not dumping it on the person. And even if they did the wrong thing, that's where negotiation and working out what it is. But often we react to things that aren't what we believe like we hear someone and we think they mean this, but they don't always mean that. And then we're reacting and then they say, but I didn't mean it that way. Yeah, and we've already reacted. So if we can stop and think and think, why did the person say that to me? And it is okay to say, look, I'm actually reacting um, with anger with what you said. I'd like to think about it or can we talk about it? Um, Does that sound reasonable it, it, it does it like, sounds it, it, pretty incredible like what i'm correct correct me if i'm wrong uh, jennifer like what i'm hearing is uh-huh. we've got to get to a certain maturity where yes. okay even though you're with someone that you love and they know you inside uh-huh. out, you them to be able yes. so you're gonna get to a place where you can separate um emotions from from facts or situations yes correct? yes yes i'm reacting 
is this why I'm reacting? Is that what they really meant or is that what happened? Yes. And look, there is a lot of injustice in this world, in systems, in people, um, and none of us are perfect. Mm-hmm. We all struggle with these emotions and the system, whether it be the media, whether it be governments, they play on emotions to control to get what they want, and people do the same thing. So it's up to us to step back and to recognise how we're reacting. Yes, so, yes. And this is what we call a mindful state. In other words, I'm observing, I'm not participating. Wow. Yeah, you know, Jennifer, I really enjoy what you said because sometimes a lot of our emotions come from misunderstanding. Sometimes people are not really trying to hurt or to do anything yeah. negative to us, but we are perceiving that yeah. way. So I like what you said, and I'm wondering yeah. if you could give us some tips on, on how can I actually get that clarification and saying, hey, you know, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, can, can you say that again? Or what do you mean by yeah. that? Or, yeah. you know, yeah. can, can I say, for example, something like, oh, look, it, it feels like you're, you're putting me down or it feels like you're judging me or criticizing me. Is that something... Okay. Helpful, but in in, in that sort of pursuit of trying to really understand what the other person means. Mm. Well, I think asking the question, what did you mean by that? Is this what you meant? So you're putting it on the reasoning conscience level. You're not um, dumping on them. Mm. Yeah. And you're actually getting them to – because communication is about clarifying. Mm. And the meaning Mm. of what someone says is in them, not in you. So what they say, they might mean as you've interpreted. So the answer is to clarify. Is that what you meant? Mm. You know, are you having a go at me now? Or, um, you know, did you mean this? And question it. Ask a question. and. Hmm. It's very powerful. And the person will go, no, I, this is what I meant. Oh, okay. And it's like, this is how I heard it. And this is how we communicate to clarify and get meaning and uh, stop that emotional response. Oh, wow. Wow. So you call this uh, a form of mindful awareness. Is that correct? Uh, yes, you know? it is. And that's being in the present and you're not the participant. You're not engaging the emotion. You're observing I'm feeling angry versus I am angry. And then you're looking at the other person and going, well, and being mindful instead of, oh, they're mean, cruel and nasty versus what do they really mean by that? That's like a mindful statement. You're observing, you're finding out. It's like being the detective or the, you know, the reporter. Yes, that is very, very interesting. Actually, someone once told me that one, one great way to sort of approach these kind of startling statements that we sometimes receive, yeah. it's kind yeah. of having an attitude of curiosity and something saying like, oh, this is very yeah. interesting or, you know, what, what, what does that mean? Or, oh, that's fascinating yeah. or something like that. But just kind of approach with, uh, firstly, a, a curiosity posture and say, hmm. Um, I'm wondering, you know, what's what's that all about, or and, and that I yeah, think helps yeah. to detach and to to convert into this participant mode into the observer mode. Absolutely. Jeff, mm. I actually wanted to ask you another question. So, mm-hmm. for example, uh, you, we're talking about you know controlling our emotions. What if I am mm-hmm. going on a state of fear, of anxiety about the future, and and that's kind of a recurring, that's mm-hmm. looming. I'm in that kind of a headspace. How do I control that? How do I get up? Because sometimes one thing is I am in a conversation with someone and we're talking about uh, that. But what if it's I'm in that conversation with myself? Um, yes. How do I how okay. do I escape that sort of a prison, I guess? Okay. Well, what happens is what, as I said, what we think is how we feel. If you project your fear ahead, because often anxi- well, anxiety is future projection. What if? You know, if that happens, I won't cope and this will be awful. We then catastrophize it, blow it out of proportion, and we're not even there yet. Mm-hmm. Um, one, of, one of the things I do is get people to make 
think of an action plan in the present, the what if plan. If that happens, what would I do? Mm. Instead of fearing it, we actually solve the problem in the present. That's, again, a mindful thing to do. Wow. It's like, yeah. Wow, thank you, Jennifer. I just, you know, just from what I'm hearing is you're, you're yeah. saying basically to be more constructive than being destructive. Yes. Um, so yes. once again, so not personalising but clarifying and yes. um, being mindful and being observant. And, Absolutely. Um, not reacting from a place of, of, of emotionalism but being, but being uh, yeah, more mature. Yeah, be, yeah, instead of using our emotions and venting them, we're actually dispersing them and containing them, dispersing them, releasing them without damaging anyone or other things. Okay. There's a great Bible verse, which you'd be familiar with, Philippians 4, 8, tells us to think on these things. And it's a good guide. What can I think on during the day? Everything that's true, honest, just, pure, lovely, of good report. Is there any virtue, which is any moral value, which is to do with the conscience? If there be any praise, think on these things. There's not one negative thing there. They're all positives. So that's, that's how we have to think. We have to think in positives and um, listen to the emotion and deal with it. Writing it down can be helpful. Yes. Get it out of your head space. That's another thing that I often mention. So uh, that way we can read it back and be more observant versus feeling it. Wow. Well, Jennifer, we want to thank you this morning for sharing those awesome and wonderful tips on how to deal with our emotions and also giving us mental clarity on how to deal better with our relationships. And, yeah, it's just helping us to see that more positive perspective to separate the situation from emotions. So thank you so much, Steve. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.